0: yeah here we are we're you're back been, you're gonna be hearing a lot of creaking because i'm a rusty <laughs> <laughs> that just means i have a lot more editing to do this right time. <laughs> you, you are welcome that's okay i can handle it i can handle it <laughs> Cara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During
1: training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable getting uncomfortable.
0: And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self love. Let's push a new narrative about health and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in
1: Welcome You ready? I'm ready. Let's push it.
0: Hello and welcome to the push podcast. Yeah. Season three. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we're really excited to be back and talking, uh talking again. So this is exciting. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're getting into the summer months.
1: And last summer, one of the things that we did was uh, we offered community workouts um, mm-hmm. just for, for people who just didn't feel comfortable going into a gym um, or maybe just didn't even feel comfortable with fitness in general. Um, and when I was leading those, it... The importance of them really did come to light, you know, Mm -hmm. like that there are a lot of people who just stepping foot inside a gym comes with a lot of baggage and trauma and, um, and feelings. And, and so in general, as someone who is in the fitness industry, I feel like we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, because people should feel
0: comfortable walking in the doors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they should, and there's there's a lot of things wrapped up in that. We're going to talk about that in this episode today, mm-hmm. um, but there are a lot of reasons why people don't feel comfortable going into a gym, and there's a lot of reasons why we have a lot of work to do in this industry. Mm-hmm. A lot.
1: Yeah, um, a lot of people have sort of fitness trauma, mm-hmm. even because of either how fitness has been pushed on them by their friends or family or the media or because of um how they have been treated in fitness spaces so um the more that we can do to make fitness more inclusive I think the better for everyone we all benefit from inclusivity heck
0: yeah heck yeah I like it I'm saying heck sorry hell yeah (laughs) get it get it it together Jill oh my god (laughs) (laughs) we're trying we're trying so yeah, that, so that's what we're going to be talking about today, um, inclusivity and fitness spaces, and how we can all do better with this. So, um, yeah, so we can
1: think about fitness as sort of a landscape for how we treat each other. So like through through the, the, the you know the gaze of fitness, we can, have we have a lot of ideas about what bodies are good and what bodies are bad
0: yes so and if you look up um fitness on google what are you gonna see you're gonna see thin white shirtless women mm-hmm. or thin muscular white men right yeah and like often the women are
1: hypersexualized mm-hmm. and sometimes also the men but especially the women shocker um and if you do see a person in a larger body it's usually they're the ones being trained by the thinner fit white trainer right yes. they're not ever the expert correct um they're usually the before in a before and after mm-hmm. or they're being made fun of there's like you know like like you'll see the guys are all wearing sweatbands and like nerdy things and they're exhausted and strewn around the floor or their women are like sweating their butts off and and their faces are contorted in pain and you know like just things like that where they're promoting a lot of negative stereotypes like when was the last time that you saw a fitness image of a thin white person being wrapped super tight in measuring tape?
0: Oh, never. Right. Yeah, I could answer that very quickly.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Google's not the end all be all, but it does give you a really good idea of what these stereotypes are Mm -hmm. around fitness and what bodies are good and what bodies are bad. And so if you look at them, what do you even think about as far as like who owns fitness? Yeah. Like who does fitness belong to? Mm -hmm. And so if you're not a thin white oiled up woman in a sports bra. Like, do you still belong in fitness spaces? Right. And what does it mean to enter a fitness space? If you do not look like the ideal or
0: your goal isn't to look like the ideal. Yeah. That doesn't even cross these people's minds. Most of the time they're like, oh, you're big. So you must be here to lose weight. Like that assumption is made as soon as you walk in. Right. Um, so when we think about it
1: that way, it seems like pretty clear that health is not really the goal. No, right. It's aesthetics, <laughs> but it's all about like how you look like. I mean, I still, I can't, I keep coming back to this. The one time we ran a training at the gym one time and the, the person who was in charge of it came in and she was like, I'm looking for the gym owner. And I said, it was me. And she's like, oh, I was expecting somebody with, you know, a tight ass and big fake boobs.
0: I was like, (laughs) excuse me. First of all, (laughs) sorry. How do you know they're real? (laughs) You came to the wrong place. My boobs could be big and plastic. You don't know. I bounce <laughs> in all the spots. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so,
1: anyway, um, so. So for the sake of this conversation today, we're going to talk a little bit about what Justice Williams, the creator of Fitness for All Bodies, calls the fitness industrial complex. Mm-hmm. So so we're not talking about like fitness, like the things that you do to be fit. We're talking about the, the system of yeah. fitness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if we look at kind of the images and things that we were that we were talking about the fitness industry kind of defines and maintains power, right. By reinforcing certain stereotypes. Mm -hmm. So they, they will be very, very specific in what you see and what you learn about what's desirable based on race and gender identity, ability and body shape, all of those things. And then they reinforce those stereotypes. And then they make money
0: off of those stereotypes by creating hierarchies. That's right. They tell you, they tell you what your problems are and then sell you the solution on how to fix them. Right.
1: Which is so outdated. Yeah. We've taken a lot of marketing courses. And one of the first ones we did, it was all about like, find the pain point and then figure out how to solve the problem. And it's just, I find that to be so icky.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't need somebody to say, Hey, You have a fat ass, and here's my solution for you on how to fix that. Maybe I like my fat ass. Right. I love my fat ass. I I love your fat ass too. Thank you. I (laughs) mean so really what's going on um, in the fitness industrial complex is that they're using fitness as a tool to promote patriarchy, capitalism, and racism. And we've mentioned, we've mentioned this before um, about how fat phobia is linked to to racism. And we've gotten some heat for it, haven't we? Oh yeah. People do not like to talk about
1: it. Uh-uh. It's like you make everything about race. Well, here's the shocker is that a lot of things are actually about race. Yeah. And so much of our society um has been built around these, like a lot of racist systems, right? Um so so yeah we are we are going to make everything about race That's because right. race is woven into everything deal with it so so this one's for the
0: haters <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes lay it on us so um
1: during times of of slavery um a lot of stereotypes about bodies were used in order to differentiate good and bad bodies, um, the bodies of slaves versus the bodies of the slave owners. Mm-hmm. So thinness was used as a way to sort of elevate for people to elevate themselves from these stereotypes that they had about black bodies, which was that they were large mm-hmm. and they were round and they were fat and they were lazy and mm-hmm. gluttonous and over and all of these things that, um, th- that, that were manufactured. These are like, these are our manufactured stereotypes about these bodies. Yep. Right. Yep. And so thinness became linked with morality. Um, where it's like, well, if I can, if I can make my body be different than these stereotypes that we have about these black bodies, then I'm morally superior. I'm more pure. Yep. Um, and we still see these same kinds of stereotypes today in fitness marketing.
0: For sure. For sure. And like that concept exists with all fitness and, and diet culture bullshit. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. you're good or bad based on what you look like and what you eat. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think I heard this in a podcast once and
1: it just rang so true to me. Um, but there is no anti-fat sentiment without the residue of violence up against black bodies that if you are if you're promoting anti-fatness and you're promoting weight loss programs and things like that, you are also promoting violence against black bodies um, because these stereotypes are still very much linked
0: to, uh, to racism. Mm -hmm. Um, So haters are going to love that one. Mm -hmm. That's right. So we have this We have this concept generated by the fitness industrial complex that being smaller, yeah, being thinner is better. Um, And so let's talk about that a little bit because the science actually doesn't support this, this concept, does it? (laughs) No. And actually there have been some studies that show
1: that being fatter is protective against a lot of diseases and illnesses.
0: So, and zombie apocalypse, right? (laughs) last a while
1: oh my god (laughs) so yeah so there are there is a study because people always love to point this out oh my god that yes that adipose tissue around the middle the your midsection has been shown to cause certain diseases and be harmful to your health and that is true that is that is one localized area so if you only have like fat around your middle, then you are at higher risk for some diseases. However, being "quote unquote overweight or obese according to our fucked up standards like the BMI has not been shown to actually cause the diseases that we think they do. Yep. Um so which I can tell you and we've talked a lot about this on the show it's pretty Mm mind-blowing like it seems like we should like it just seems like such a normal thing right because we Mm -hmm. we, we've learned it and it's like that's what we that's what it is but
0: um but no but no this is what science actually says is not that right Uh. That you can be (laughs) healthy at any size Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean that
1: all like, so like we, we tend to have this dichotomy in our minds, right? That thin people are healthy, fat people are unhealthy. So if that's not the case, that doesn't mean that everyone is healthy, no matter what their size is. It just means that health can come at any size. Yes. Um, what we do know that has been scientifically proven, um, is that you exercise can always help you be healthier. Mm-hmm that. Um, so, so any, any chance that you get to, to exercise, you have that opportunity to also get healthier, but weight loss does not need to be in any part of that
0: equation. Yeah. And in fact, uh, most weight loss programs or diets, as we call them don't work. Mm -hmm. Diets have a 95 96 ish percent failure rate mm-hmm. circle this back to the fitness industrial complex the people who sell diets they know this mm-hmm. they are profiting off of the fact that diets will fail and then you'll have to do it again and again and yep. again yep mm-hmm. or try a different one yep exactly I mean, and as a fitness professional,
1: that's been in it for a long time. I didn't know that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of started to notice it after I'd been a trainer for a while, like about seven years in, I was like, wow, we do this. We do this weight loss competition at this gym that I work at every year. And it's the same people participating in it every year. Mm -hmm. And they're just ping ponging like up and down and up and down and up and down with their weight. But I wasn't seeing a lot of people sustain a healthy weight loss for like for really more than a few months. But what the research says is that between year one and year five, most people will gain their weight back. And two thirds of the people who lost weight to begin with will gain more than they lost. Yep. Because you mess up your metabolism every time you go on a diet. So a lot of the diet industry and weight loss attempts have really just, made people gain weight in general, which is not on its own a bad thing, but for people who are really trying to fit more of an, of like a fitness ideal or a beauty ideal or a body ideal, like that can be really devastating.
0: Mm -hmm. So (laughs) we still run into this, um, with our own clients. A lot of times we get the, I saw my doctor and my doctor said, I need to lose weight. Yeah. I saw my doctor and my doctor said, if I lose weight, then I can have the surgery. Like that's, that's hard to field um, Mm -hmm. with someone who has a lot of trust Mm -hmm. in, in Western medicine. Yeah. Well, and I feel like in COVID times, it's kind of a
1: touchy thing because I want to like tell everybody like i believe in science and you know get vaccinated and wear your mask and all this stuff but then at the same time i'm like but when it comes to fat phobia fuck your doctor <laughs> like,
0: like, like, or your doctor can fuck off that's right. what she we, meant yeah. oh right. yeah don't actually fuck your doctor <laughs> my doctor I have a funny story my
1: doctor got super squeamish one time so I was in there for like a regular checkup and I was really warm like those rooms are small yeah so he comes in the room and it was right when I started I reached my breaking point of like this is how hot I can be so I start taking off my sweatshirt and he's like no no it's <laughs> not that kind of visit you leave your clothes on I'm like listen I I have a tank top on underneath <laughs>
0: I'm just quite warm. (laughs) I didn't see you and just start to strip. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) You got a little flustered. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back to our discussion. Do you love the PUSH podcast? Support us by becoming a PUSH patron. As a PUSH patron, you will have exclusive access to our episodes, Bonus materials, freebies, the ability to ask us questions, and more. Go to www.patreon.com/ pushfitness. That's www.patreon.comslash pushfitness now to get started. And now, back to the Push Podcast. <laughs> what I would say
1: about the doctor thing is that, that just like all the rest of us, that doctors too have been indoctrinated into this anti-fat culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you find yourself, and this could be a whole other podcast, but if you find yourself having to kind of confront anti-fat bias with your doctor, um, you could just ask them what treatment they would recommend for a thin person for the same problem that you came in with.
0: Mm-hmm. Because there's usually,
1: there's usually some kind of solution. Like if you come in, like thin people have achy knees too. Yep. And they aren't denied knee replacements because they need to lose a certain amount of weight. If their knees are bad, their knees are bad. Right. Period. Yeah.
0: If they, if someone with a bad knee loses 50 pounds, they still have a bad knee. Right. And I know that they, that there's, you know, research out there that says, oh,
1: for every pound of fat that you lose on your body, that's seven pounds off of your knees or something like that. And while that can be true, like you can kind of, you can kind of piece that out. um, The part that we're missing is that strength training for anybody at any weight can help with joint problems. And a lot of times what happens is that when we encourage people to lose weight first, what a lot of people will go to is cardio because people see cardio is like a big weight loss exercise. And a lot of cardio is high impact.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: what ha- we end up pounding our joints that already hurt instead of trying to strengthen the muscles around them. Mm-hmm. And we um, end up doing more damage. So that could also be a whole nother podcast. Season three is coming at you. We've got two more ideas already.
0: (laughs) Put that in our idea notebook. (laughs) So this idea that being overweight causes certain diseases, that's, we're going to debunk that. Mm -hmm. Because it's not, it's not actually being overweight. It's being overweight in this fat phobic society. Right. Fat phobia causes a lot of diseases. Yes. Because.
1: One of the things that actually causes the diseases that are blamed on fatness is inflammation and stress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what are the things that cause inflammation and stress, Jill?
0: <laughs> well, I might say that it's a uh, feeling like I'm being judged for having a larger body. Ooh, that causes me stress. Yeah. And maybe weight
1: cycling, like gaining and losing um. Of more than 20 pounds over and over and over again.
0: Mm -hmm. That
1: causes inflammation and stress. Yeah. Maybe Um, uh experiencing racism. Oh, hey, really? (laughs) Yeah. That's a thing. Right. (laughs) That could cause that could cause some stress. That could cause inflammation and stress. Heck yeah. Yes. Um, and if you're a person in a larger body, and think about the intersectionality of this. Say you are a black queer, disabled person in a larger body, you are much, 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 much more, less, much less likely to seek out medical care. Yep. Um, there was a study done that for people in larger bodies, it takes up to like 13 years for people to seek medical care for eating disorders.
0: Mm-hmm that's a long time. It's a long time. Um, and most likely, um, one of the reasons why that takes so long is because of the fat phobia in our society, but also the biases in, in medical care itself. Like Mm -hmm. they probably Mm -hmm. went to their doctor, got told to lose weight. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) the rest of the story. Right. Cause a lot of diet behaviors mimic eating
1: disorder behaviors Mm -hmm. as well. Yep. And so if you go to your doctor and you're in a quote unquote average sized body, but you have a raging eating disorder and your doctor's like, well, what do you, what, you know, what's the problem? He's like, oh, you're trying to lose weight. Good for you. Keep going. Oh like yeah,
0: yeah. That re- reinforce yeah. those kinds of things mm-hmm. can go undiagnosed for quite some time. Yep. Yep. So let's talk some solutions. Um, if we look at, look at health from more of a socially determined angle, we'll find a lot more ways to take care of our health. And in reality, 70% of your health is socially determined, Mm -hmm. right? So what are the social determinants of health? So social determinants of health are things like
1: economic stability, education, access, and quality, uh, what kind of neighborhood or environment you grew up in access to health care and the quality of health care you get and, um, what your relationships are like and your community is like, so like, so that's where, when we were saying that experiencing racism is bad for your health, mm-hmm. um, the adverse part of that is not experiencing racism or having like close connections and feeling really supported by your community can actually improve your health.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of that stuff, like if we're, if we're looking at the bigger picture of the quality of life, just in general, like all of these things would be on the top of the list over how many pounds are on the scale. Mm -hmm. Just that's 70% is a large number. Mm -hmm.
1: Which is why we talk about racism and homophobia and things like that so much in our gym, because those things, like we can't, we can't say that we care about health. If we're not talking about those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that a lot of other gyms shouldn't say that they care about health if they're not willing to talk about those things. Yep. Because then they're really with the health of the health that they really care about I think is the health of white cis
0: men. Yeah, pretty who much. Have yep. the privilege. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So with the with all of that in mind, like how what are some ways that we can redefine fitness? How can we move forward from think hearing the word fitness and thinking thin and weight loss and being white? So if we think about the ways that oppression happens
1: on three levels, right? Like individual, interpersonal, and systemic. The opposite of that, like your freedom or your redemption should also happen on all three of those levels as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we, I like to think about the ways that I contribute in all of those ways. So, Mm -hmm. so if I am someone who is helping other people, or my goal is to help people get fit, how can I do that on an individual, interpersonal and systemic level? So, um, and so in that way, like, We have to root out the harms done by the fitness industrial complex on all three of those levels, and then think of
0: solutions in those three ways as well. So how can we do that? Well, one of the ways that, one of the ways that we do that in our gym is we don't ever, 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 ever comment on other people's bodies. We encourage our clients to not comment on other people's bodies mm-hmm. um one of the examples of that that i like to use is we had a, a client that lost a bunch of weight um, and came in to the gym and about three or four sessions later she said thank you for not saying anything about my weight loss because in reality I lost a bunch of weight because I'm on this medication and it makes me really sick and I'm not, I don't feel good in my body right now. And it feels good to be in a place where I don't have to worry about that Mm -hmm. because everybody around her is congratulating her. Yeah. Well, and we think about the, like the long-term ramifications
1: of some of that. So say somebody even tried to lose weight and was successful in Mm -hmm. the short term, Mm -hmm. when you comment on their body in that space, there's also a lot of anxiety around that because most of us, especially the older we get, if we've been dieting, we know that there's bound to be a weight gain Mm -hmm. that it is, it's, it's almost impossible to sustain the weight loss. Mm -hmm. So when someone says, Oh my gosh, you look fantastic. You've lost all this weight. And you're like, yeah, I worked really hard to lose this weight, but it's about to go back the other way. There's a lot of anxiety that mm-hmm. can be caused there. And then, and then the aftermath of that is the more compliment someone got with the weight loss, the more like embarrassed that they often end up feeling when the weight is regained. Yeah. And that can cause a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. People don't want to come back into social places. Yep. I mean, the gym, the gym maybe not at all. Right. <laughs> after that anyway, yeah. but I'm talking like just any kind of social situation.
0: Oh yeah. I've definitely felt that like personally where I have lived in a smaller body before when I was doing unhealthy behaviors to make it that mm-hmm. way. And, you know, getting together with friends that I hadn't seen in, you know, four or five years and worrying about like, oh, they're going to think I'm fat now. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and then I'm like, so what? Right. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard. It's a hard thing to unlearn. Yeah. So how we even talk to ourselves. Um, mm-hmm makes a huge difference. Yeah, cuz
1: our brains are set up in a way that we do believe ourselves. So mm-hmm. if we sort of look in the mirror on a regular basis and our, and like pinch our fat rolls or suck our bellies in or tell ourselves that we are that we're unattractive, our brains will believe us and then that carries into a lot of other things and it can also affect our health. Mm-hmm. So to try to talk even just more neutrally To ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you have to wake up tomorrow morning and just love yourself. Um, but to practice being kinder to
0: yourself is, is a good first step. Mm -hmm. And then looking for ways to make the fitness space more inclusive. Mm -hmm. Um, so we uh, we're pretty loud and proud in our gym about what we stand for
1: <laughs> i love i love that about owning our own business because yeah. it's one of the things that even when we've partnered and like shared spaces with other companies we've never been able to be as open. I mean, I guess we could, but there were always consequences that were really uncomfortable and, um, which that's part of it, right? Like being uncomfortable is okay, but it was basically a fight or we would be pushed out of places. Right. Right. And so, um, but as someone who maybe works at a bigger gym, are there ways that you can like, be good trouble? Could you ask questions? Could you like say, Hey, could we make this? Could we change some of our marketing? Could we say this instead? What Mm -hmm. if we, um, like just asking questions and asking for more resources can be a really good first step. If you're say you're someone who goes to a gym, um, Maybe you could do the same thing, go to the desk and say, hey, you know what? I saw that poster that said sweat is your fat crying and I took some offense to it. Like could you maybe uh you know, like like do better? Or yeah, could we burn it
0: down? Could we? <laughs> <laughs>
1: or um, well, are there are there ways that we can kind of ask for uh, more accountability with larger companies? And you can do that with your money too. Yeah. You spend money on yeah. it you don't. I I hope to see more change systemically in the near future with this kind of thing, because really just from a business perspective, like, like it's just good business to be inclusive. You can reach more people like that's, that's just better.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whoever, whoever taught us that you shouldn't talk about politics and business is sorely misguided because I think that not only are we being openly more inclusive so that people know that it's a safe space for them people know where their money's going to Mm so another another way that we can work toward redefining fitness is finding your community um and what i what i mean by finding your community is finding people who who make you feel good, who make you feel valid, who make you feel heard um, both in person and online Mm -hmm. um, and following people who make you feel bad um, and supporting people who are working towards, towards the kinds of changes that we'd like to see.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then finding movement that you enjoy, we call this intuitive movement um, because so many of us have, I've been taught that exercise is a punishment for what you ate or for having a bad body. And there's a lot of messages, like the one that I just said about sweat, yeah. sweat is your fat crying. Like all of it is just so negative. Um, and, and then we sort of believe that the only time we can really enjoy our bodies is when we've reached a certain goal. And what if we didn't have an aesthetic goal? What if we just wanted to just feel better in our bodies period. Yep. And so finding ways to like, even use exercise to heal your relationship with your body, um, find, find ways to move it that bring you pleasure. That's super important. And, um, and another thing that you can do, if you have the resources is seek out trauma informed care practitioners. So people who, if you do have trauma around fitness and, and your body or exercise, um, that finding someone who is trained to sort of meet you where you're at and, um, and honor that
0: process can be a really important part Mm -hmm. of, of your healing. Yeah. And those, those types of practitioners are very intentional about how they interact with you. Um, So another part of it is that we kind of, a lot of fitness
1: seems to have this like all gas, no breaks kind of attitude, Um, and so finding ways to rest when you need it, like exercise Mm -hmm. and fitness is not just all about go, go, go. It's all about really like tuning in, listening to your body and figuring out like what your body really needs. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, yeah, maybe you don't mm -hmm. do what's on the plan or maybe you take a rest day and that's Mm -hmm. okay. Like Mm -hmm. being more intentional about listening to your body and what it needs. Mm -hmm. Um, and finding fitness spaces that don't promote that phobia, or find like-minded workout buddies that you can vent to um yeah mm-hmm. that's that community aspect again
1: yeah like there was a time when i really wanted like i i was going to a gym near my house it was a big gym and i i did not love the culture of that gym, Mm -hmm. but I did have a friend that I would work out with while I was there and it made all the difference. Mm -hmm. I did not worry nearly as much that people were watching me and judging me, or I just didn't care because Mm -hmm. I had that camaraderie.
0: Yeah. And then knowing that you can explore, you can say no, and you can change your mind at any point. That's huge. (laughs) Like, especially for like People who have a tendency toward perfectionism, mm-hmm. like you, it's on the plan, I gotta do it. Yeah, you, you, no, no decision has to be set in stone. You can change your mind at any point. You can say no at any point. Mm-hmm. So
1: all of this, all of this to say, is that we are really committed to creating workout spaces, both like in our gym, but also in our community where people feel comfortable, um, where it's one of the reasons why we want to do these community workouts through the summer. It's one of the reasons why we, um, are do squats for social justice in the fall.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, we present at Willamette, um, usually a couple times a year about this very topic as well. So it kind of turn the tide. It's really this kind of thing is really important because all of us deserve a fitness space that we feel comfortable in because fitness is so important. And I say like fitness is important. No, I'm not saying thinness
0: is important. Correct. Yeah. Fitness really should be for everyone for all bodies. Mm-hmm. Um and we're going to put some uh some links to di- different resources in the notes um of the podcast so that you can go find books and podcasts and and different resources for you to uh check out and learn a little bit more. Um but other than that that's all that we have for you today. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the Push podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. The more subscriptions we get, the more visibility we get, and the easier we can find listeners just like you. That's right. And if there's a certain topic that you would like to hear us ramble on about, let us know. We can do it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye.